show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Davis, and I'm with my lovely wife, Rachel. We are your host. We're back with you today. Welcome to episode number six. Today's show is titled Challenge. Today, we want to be all about challenging you to take your homeschool to the next level. Are you ready? So this show, Let's Talk Homeschool, is about everything homeschooling. We will discuss why you should homeschool and all the reasons why you can. And in the end, we want to make sure every show affirms, encourages, challenges, and inspires you along the way. Because there are many moments to celebrate in this homeschooling adventure of a lifetime. There sure are. And we want to be for you what we needed so desperately in those early days. We're co-adventurers in some ways, but probably we're further down the path since we're 23 years into this journey. We want to mentor you. We want to be your cheerleaders, your biggest fans. We want to inspire you to continue on. We like to say that we believe if there was ever a time to homeschool, it is now. The sponsor of this show is Apologia Educational Ministries whose mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the faith. Apologia is the number one publisher of creation-based science and biblical worldview curricula for homeschooling families with over 80 number one awards, covering a time span of more than 12 years in a row. That is impressive, but more importantly, that's why Apologia is trusted by homeschooling families worldwide. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. While you're at it, go to homeschool-101.com. There you can sign up to receive email updates and get all kinds of free information, downloadables, PDFs, and read some encouraging articles. Okay, Rachel, let's talk homeschool. What would you say to challenge our homeschooling listeners to take it to the next level? I mean, it's already hard, so what would it look like to up the ante? That's a great question because now the question becomes, what does it look like to go for the long haul? Does it mean that last year looks the same as this year? And I would say, no, 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 no. What if every year was better, right? Right. And every year as homeschool parents, we're better homeschool teachers. And I think that what that looks like is our relationship our relationship as the parents is getting stronger every year. So part of the challenge would be to to lean further and further into God, to be listening to Him more, to be on our knees more, to be in His Word more deliberately and intentionally, and, and really asking Him to use this to show us, to grow us, right? right? So I think it begins with, as parents, us leaning further in. Right. Into him. And even leaning into that commitment. Exactly. So if you're three or four years into this, you're, you're probably getting close to making a firm commitment. Even if high school is looming off in the distance, we want to challenge you to commit to this. And as a couple, uh, because then it becomes part of your family lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it's not just something you do, it's who you are. It's part of what defines the culture of the family. Right. Uh, and it's it's not you know what saves you. Christ right. is the only one that saves us. Correct. But it is an important, a vital part of what makes your family tick. Right. It's part of the definition of your family. This is what we do. And I think really the biggest dog challenge is don't quit. 
Right. Stay in, commit. I, I talk to a lot of parents often who are like, well, you know, we're just doing this year to year. And my thing with that is I understand the appeal, the terror, actually, right, of saying we're going to do this hereby and forevermore, especially if you've got all littles and the days are long and the nights are short <laughs> and you feel like, oh, my goodness, I can't think about doing this as long as 23 years. You know, we know people who've done this for 30 years. So, I mean, there are people who've done this for a really long time. And when they're all little, when you're in the trenches doing this, the idea of thinking that you would do this for 23 years, right, until they all oh, graduate. Yeah, I I, we couldn't think about that for no, no, no. a few years. That's just overwhelming. But at the same time, this mentality that says we just reevaluate every year, I think creates within your family culture an insecurity for your, your kids, you know, are they going to be good enough for you to do it another year? Are they going to be bad enough for you to do it another to year? To quit, yeah. Right. And, and I think it makes you easy pickings for the enemy. Because if this, I mean, what is, by what standard, by what kind of evaluation are you determining whether or not to go forward? Because if it's just, if it's too hard, well, then you're quitting before you start. But if you believe in a sovereign God who is faithful and is going to qualify you and is going to prepare you and is in the process of molding you into the image of his son, then whatever comes along, you're staying the course. You're not going to be swayed. You're not going to be picked off. You have deter- you've driven a stake in the ground. This is what we're doing. And we know what we're speaking about, Davis. I mean, this oh, yeah. has not been easy. We have been through a lot of deep weeds, a lot of challenges along the way. Uh, one of which was 26 months of unemployment. So we had people encouraging me to go back to teach in the classroom, to take a job so that we could get through that period of time. But we didn't falter on whether or not we were going to homeschool even when we were unemployed because I believe, and I believe if you ask the kids today, I believe that it granted our children some security. We didn't know if we were going to still be in our home. We didn't know if we were going to have to move. We didn't really know what dinner was going to be. That's how desperate it got. But we knew we were in this together and we were fighting it together. And I think it really did solidify the relationships in our home. Right. So taking relationships to that next level, you're already spending a lot more time together by definition of homeschooling. Sure. So so that can be intimidating. What can parents do to to say, okay, let's be really intentional and proactive about these relationships since we have the opportunity sure. by virtue of being together in large quantities of time because we're homeschooling? Well, I believe that the first thing we've got to get right and perhaps the thing we've been avoiding getting right is our relationship with God. Right. So as the homeschooling mom and dad, it's easy when you have young children. I've done it. You've done it. Most of us do it, even if we love God. It is so easy to start putting um, putting our relationship with God off because we didn't get enough sleep, or there's too many kids, or there's we got to do breakfast, or there's all these responsibilities, and we just we're not really investing in our relationship with God. And I think we got to do that. We got to circle back around to what really matters. Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first. 
And I think we the challenge is for us to lean further into God, spend more time in his word, spend more time in prayer, spend more time praising him right. when it doesn't make sense and we don't know, right. but just acknowledging him for God. And secondly, ironically, I think we need to make sure we're, re- we're investing in our relationship as a married couple. Right. Because I think it's really easy for that to get lost in the mix also, right? For us to think, oh, well, we'll date later or, you know, we don't have the money now or whatever. But I think, you know, investing in our relationship. But then thirdly, in terms of relationships, I think we need to dare to prioritize our children's relationships with each other. But I think we can only do it in that order. If we don't have a relationship with God as the mom and dad, if we don't have a relationship with each other as the mom and dad, then it really would be hypocritical, right, right, for us to say, oh, you need to get along with your sister. But I really do think helping our children see each other as sovereign gifts from the God of the universe to each other and valuing those relationships, so not allowing them to speak rudely to each other, not allowing them to be mean to each other, not allowing them to be selfish or prideful or arrogant or rude or any of those things. So that means, Davis, as we've done, we didn't always do this perfectly, but as we've done, that means when an argument breaks out during math time, that it's not stop, get your math done. It's close your math book. Let's talk about the relationship. Yeah. 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 Getting, getting that order right. And that's, that's a paradigm shift. I mean, homeschooling shifts your paradigms, but that's one way, one good example to show how the relationships can now suddenly be uh, prioritized and you can't, you can do things differently than they would be handled in any other setting because you're in charge now. Right. And you can rethink what are our goals and how are we going to handle achieving mm-hmm. those goals? This is actually a great segue into one of the points that I wanted to make to challenge our listeners. Uh, and it's one of the best things we, uh, we intentionally did early in our homeschooling journey. And that was to incorporate what we call family worship mm-hmm. into the routine. Yeah. And I've always liked calling it family worship rather than like a family devotional time because it it creates a different sense of what you're trying to accomplish. And sure, we sat down and, you know, read the Bible, sang songs, got on our knees and said prayers. But it was really more of the the liturgy of our family. Mm-hmm. It was how, what we did. And yeah. sometimes it was in the morning before I left for work. Sometimes it was in the middle of the day when I've been at home. Sometimes it was before bedtime. So it's not about getting legalistic with as to when and how it happens. It's just that we wanted to fall in love with God more. We were already having to walk by faith because of this homeschooling. And we want to show our kids a really big, glorious God. And part of that was to say, hey, he's deserving of worship. Let's gather our chicks around. Mm-hmm. Let's spend some time in his word. Maybe you read a devotional book. Maybe you read straight from the Bible. There's options there, but sing a few songs. It's precious when the little ones are, are singing mm-hmm. songs, especially during the Advent season. But then getting on our knees to pray, those have been some of the most moving moments for our family that binds us together, draws us close to God, creates a reverence, and it sets a tone in many ways just because it's not something we did on Monday, 
but it's something we do as a, as a family. Right. So I want to challenge the listeners, especially the, the guys out there listening, to have a conversation with your wife. Sit down and say, how are we going to incorporate something that I would call family worship that is just part of the rhythm and routine of your homeschool? No, I mean, I think it's pivotal. And I want to say to our listeners, we didn't come from that. I, I was not raised in a home where we did family worship. I know you have said that you didn't have that. And I'm not saying that to be critical of our families of origin as much to say as let's do something different. Right. We let's, both grew up in the church. Right. So we were Christians when we met, Christians when we got married, right. de- de- dedicated to having a Christian family. Right. And that's part of the point here is God took our family to the next level by getting us on this homeschooling journey. That created all kinds of you know changes in the sure. way we did things. And we want to encourage our uh, and challenge our listeners that now that you're into this, now that you're committed, now that you see all the benefits and you want to stick with right. this, let's get the most out of it. Right. And you do so, do something that was different than what you were possibly raised in, not for the sake of being different, but to make the most of it to get right. all that God has intended for it. Well, and you said it set the tone, and I, I wanted to finish that thought. It set the tone for the day. When as a family, we had family worship and we were acknowledging God and his goodness and his greatness and his glory and his faithfulness, then as the day rolled on, it didn't make the day perfect, but it gave us a perspective and oftentimes, not completely and thoroughly and perfectly, our kids a perspective on the day too. And it just, it was was really a glorious time. But I want to say... The enemy will work overtime to destroy family worship because we didn't execute it perfectly. So although we tried, right, to have it every day, we didn't have it every day. But some of the worst sibling fights would break out right before or during, uh, you know, just nitpicking. He's breathing my air kind of stupidity and really fighting for family worship mm-hmm. was a serious fight that we had to go through because yeah. the enemy does not want a family worshiping God together. Right. You know, he's perfectly happy for y'all to have like a prayer here at, at mealtime. So you sit around and you hold hands and you say prayer at mealtime. I don't know that he's going to be too intimidated by that, but a family that gets together and praises and worships God, he is going to he's going to try to take that apart. So it's something like we've talked about before. Something you had to fight for. Well, and five of our kids have left the nest. We Mm -hmm. have two at home right now. And a question I would ask everybody is, what do you want your kids to remember about their experience being homeschooled when they leave? And there are some things that our kids have told us that they remember as just how they perceived everything. And one of them was that we had family worship. And what was one of the other ones? Yeah, one of the other ones was something that I think is completely counterculture that we didn't even realize was ca- counterculture because we were so busy trying to, <laughs> just, to just do the next thing, and that's family mealtime. My goodness, I don't think it was really until, I guess it was our oldest son went off to college, and he came home, and he was like, he had no idea how few families actually have meals together. He was mentioning it at some social setting at college one time that, you know, one time we sat down for dinner and he started to tell a story and this girl standing there said, wait, 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 hold on. 
What do you mean one time? You make it sound like you had dinner together all the time. How often did your family have dinner? And he was like, well, like every night. And we had lunch together and we had breakfast together. And she was just like, no one does that. No one ever does that. And he, and he goes, it was the first time that I realized that what was normative for us was completely unthinkable to this girl. She said that her family maybe had Christmas dinner and Easter dinner together yeah. every year. So, Which was just as impossible for our son to imagine. Yeah, yeah, because he couldn't imagine that. So, I mean, family meal times, the opportunities that you have to have breakfast together and have lunch together, whether it's on a paper napkin, it's peanut butter and jelly sandwich, it is, you know, lobster bisque. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think what it is makes less difference than who you're with. And how you approach it, that you actually do endeavor to have it together. Now, I would argue that meal presentation and meal preparation and really investing in that for your family is a glorious objective. But, you know, early on, we I was happy to have everybody peanut butter and jelly on a paper napkin. So, I mean, there is a, you know, there are seasons. But having those meal times and those conversations... That is something that our kids truly, truly, truly think back on with such fond memories. I mean, again, we're talking about, we've talked about focus in all of these episodes. We're talking about continuing to build a foundation that you can, your kids can come back to and a home base that they can come back to. Well, there's uh, plenty of freedoms that come with home education. And we thank God for the freedom to homeschool in general and that it's legal but as a homeschool family, one of the difficulties is we can often tend to bring our education experience and try and just duplicate it at home. Right. So you know, I was in a public school setting, you were in a private school setting, and we both naturally did that. We just brought in the schedules and the calendars and the, th- the, the routines that we experienced. But when you homeschool you had this amazing opportunity to really feel the freedom. Yeah. And that's when calendars and schedules, weekly schedules come into play. Mm -hmm. Because I remember some of the first times we went on a family getaway in the middle of the school year, in early October, late October, early November, because we're not tied to some arbitrary school calendar. Right. We could go to the mountains to pick apples on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Right. It wasn't restricted to the weekends. Mm-hmm. And that freedom mm-hmm. that you have as a homeschool family is something to really take advantage of to do what your family would love to do together, whether that's a vacation, a field trip, uh, you know, a getaway, just time off at home. The calendar and then even the weekly routine, what the weeks, what the days look like. You used to have an out day where Wednesday was the day you went out to the grocery shop, do the doctor's appointments, you know, anything that was out of the house. The other days you were trying to stay home mm-hmm. to get the other things done, responsibilities, right. schoolwork, etc. And so there's just so much you can do to really take things to another level that's very unique. It's going to be unique for each family. And that's where it's beautiful because you can literally customize it to your individual family's preferences, desires, and, and the things that you're interested in. Yeah. Cause I think of another thing that we really prioritized after we sort of got 
our feet underneath us, right? We were starting to go, okay, I think we get this. I think we understand. One of the things we prioritized that, again, like mealtime, like family worship, like the relationships with each other, the siblings, is we prioritized family reading time. Mm -hmm. And I would really challenge our listeners to prioritize family reading time. Have a book that you can all come around and read at just a chapter or two a day and go on an adventure together, see the world together, get a new perspective. There are some great book reading lists out there um, that I really love and enjoy. But as a family, we did Robinson Crusoe and we did um, Swiss Family Robinson. And a couple of years ago, the boys and I did David Copperfield. And read these books aloud together. Discuss the character qualities. Discuss um, the literary devices and the plot and all of these different things within these stories, but let these books, these classic works of literature, be a part of what you're doing, the fabric of your family. Well, because there's so many more benefits than just the book itself, the literature, the plot, being culturally uh, relevant uh, with what you're reading. And that's goes back to the relationships, the bonding that happens by sitting down together and having this shared reading experience where mom or dad is reading aloud to the kids yeah. create beautiful moments mm-hmm. that are really like Deuteronomy 6 moments where there's conversation that happens afterwards about what you read, about life, about the day. There's a, a especially like before bedtime when I would often do the read alouds mm-hmm. with the kids. It was it was just like a great dad child yeah. time yeah. and we would talk about it occasionally we had a journal where they'd draw pictures or write about it and then it was a natural lead into getting ready for bed right brushing your teeth and you going to the bathroom tucking everybody in and you know the calming effect that it had so yeah the the beauty of reading together is a, a lost practice by a lot That's of true. families. And that means turning the, the screens off. Exactly. You know, turn off your phone. Don't let the phone interrupt. Just turn it off mm-hmm. and turn off the television. Reading together is so much more formative and relational than watching together. Exactly. You know, and we have great we have great family memories of watching some great classic films too. And I think some of the classics are better than what's being put out today, just as an aside. But reading together on a daily basis, mm-hmm. coming around a book. And I mean, the other one that I just loved reading together was Corey Ten Boom and The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. And I remember weeping as I was reading. You know, I can just list all of these glorious books that we've read together, but that's a challenge. Make sure you make time to spend time reading together. Well, yeah, we read lots of biographies together. We did. Wildwam missionary stories, yes. Bible hero stories. Biographies are always great Incredible. stories because yeah. they're real life. They're people that existed that you can... Um, you know, help your kids understand what God might be calling them exactly, to do. Exactly, exactly. Which is another one of the things our families listening can do in this homeschooling journey right. is don't get stuck in the old way of people uh, and how people give career counseling to their kids. You know, because it's typically what do you want to do to make enough money to buy the things you want right. to buy? And, you know, most people know that's not the way to happiness. That's not going to be a good long-term solution. But 
they often give that advice to their kids. I was going to say that's still how we're counseling people, well, yeah. even though we all know that that's not the answer to happiness. That's still the way the counseling goes. Right. And then I really don't even like the phrase, do what you love and the money will come. I understand the concept, but it still puts an emphasis on the money that might come. Right. And it may or may not come even if you, you love the work. But I think a better approach that as parents, we can really help shape our kids. And that is ask them when they're really young kids, when they're preteen, when they're in high school, when they're in college, what is God calling you to do? Right. And by having that conversation many times, the wheels are going to turn in your kids' brains. Right. They're going to be praying to God. They're going to be asking God. They're going to be seeking. They're going to be having conversations with you. And you're going to see their heart turn to God. Right. And they're seeking God and him giving them some impressions about, yeah, I'd like you to serve me and change the world for the better. You know, show the light of Christ. Yeah via this This. kind of an occupation. Right. And, you know, that list of occupations is not as narrow as most of us think it is sometimes. We think if a a kid's going to be called by God to do something, it means he's going to be a pastor or a missionary. And God may have a pastor or a missionary in your home that he's raising up to have one of those two roles. But I believe God's call in our life can be a vast array of things. It's not just those two things. And, in fact... We are all called to be missionaries because we're all called to, as we go, let our light shine. So it doesn't matter what God calls us to. He needs us to shine our light wherever he calls us. So the real challenge is, the real challenge is to think outside the box. That's right. It's so easy to get stuck in in this arbitrary box that's been uh, created by professional educators and what we're called to do and the challenge in, in home education is to think outside of that box. What might God do? And in the end, your kids might actually love learning. Amen. That would be yeah, awesome. That would be awesome. Well, Rachel, I love talking homeschooling with you. This has been a great conversation. Folks, thank you for listening and joining us today. Please join us next time. Uh, we've got some more things to share on the subject of homeschooling. If you liked what you heard, share this with others. We're trying to get as many people to listen as possible, to be affirmed, encouraged, challenged, and inspired, and to celebrate along the way. This is Let's Talk Homeschool, and we are your hosts, Davis and Rachel Carmen. We want to thank our sponsor, Apology Educational Ministries. Have a great day, and until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime.